Have you ever wanted your dwarf with boar legs to kick a ghost in the face? Because you could do that. Clip clop, clip clop. This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. My name is Nathan, and I will be your host today. This episode is all about the bull centaurs of the Chaos Dwarfs, one of the most iconic units in one of the most tragically neglected armies of Warhammer Fantasy. We're going to look at three distinct eras of the Bull Centaur today, 3rd edition, 4th edition, and 8th edition. And each of these illustrates a different era of the game, and a different role for the Bull Centaurs themselves. And it speaks to the evolving lore of the Chaos Dwarf faction. Before we get into that, I do have a little bit of news and hobby to share with you today. Firstly, in the hobby section, I continue work on my Warriors of Chaos, my Archaeon's Horde, and I am now working on my Chosen Chaos Warriors. This is 12 Chaos Warriors with Halberds, and I have been doing each of the Chaos Warriors and Knights units in a slightly different color theme. Each of the units is a nice black but I've chosen different colors to highlight each of them. My first unit was blue-gray for the highlights, which made them have a little bit of a Zechian theme, and actually just made them look really clean-looking. I actually really enjoyed how they came out. The second unit, the Chaos Knights, were done with reds for the highlights, uh, the black, and gives them kind of a more sinister, cornate type of theme. These chosen are going to be done in greens, which I hope gives them a slightly nurgly feel. I'm not running any of these units with marks. I just want to evoke the gods that they might lean towards, because this is Archaeon's Horde, and it should be a mostly undivided force, and I'm going to go entirely undivided when running them on the battlefield, but I want it to feel like you've got these various elements of the gods within his hosts for when we're playing those games. I got to step up my production because we are going to start playing those games pretty soon. And that will be lots of fun because the amount of Warhammer that I've played in the last several months could be generously described as zero. Things are starting to open up in Nova Scotia. We are seeing a real drop-off in cases of COVID, which is fantastic. The last few days have been ones or twos for the infection numbers, which is lovely. About a couple months ago, we were at the triple digits, so it's a big improvement for us. And it's really nice to see going into the heat of the summer that everyone should be able to get outside and maybe go sit on a patio, have some drinks, enjoy the nice weather. I'm looking forward to it. I've already started doing it where we can. With the return of the nice weather will come the return of battle reports and videos to our YouTube channel. That channel is also named The War Games Orchard. If you haven't checked it out, please do. we got a few videos on there. It's a rather eclectic mix. I've done some things over the lockdown on my own, including a Let's Play for Chaos Gate, some histories of lost units of Warhammer Fantasy in 40k, 
I'm looking to get back to doing my solo videos as well as us doing some battle reports soon. I've just been a little bit busy to do the videos lately, but I haven't forgotten about it. Unfortunately, there may not be a sequel to the Let's Play Chaos Gate video. The game itself is rather janky right now. It's not working that well. I thought that I had it in a good spot where it was going to be compatible and run, but it seems like when I capture the game, something with the capture software doesn't play well with this game from 1998. Who could have thought? And my save file, unfortunately, has been completely corrupted. What I may do is switch computers and try it again, in which case I will be doing more of those videos because it was tons and tons of fun. Otherwise, I actually have other Warhammer games that I've gotten recently that I would like to try out and would like to do them as a Let's Play series on the channel. I've got the Tau Fire Warrior from 2003 that I'm going to say decent <laughs> first-person shooter, and that's probably me being generous. It's not a fantastic game, but I feel like it is an important game in Warhammer history, and I would like to play it again. I used to have it for the PlayStation 2 back when it came out originally. I have Chaos Bane, which was the Diablo clone that came out a few years ago for Warhammer Fantasy. I would like to try that one out as well. If you've got any suggestions, anything you would like to see me do, or a game that I haven't played in a while, I tried out Rights of War as well, just to see if it was suitable for doing a video in. I honestly don't know. I don't find that game very fun. It is an interesting one, came out in 99, but has big second edition vibes. So I could do something with that as well. If you have any suggestions, hit me up and I will do my best. I could always do a Warhammer Total War, but there's a lot of much better people doing Total War Warhammer videos. I don't think you need me doing that. I think I'll stick to the niche of Warhammer games people have forgotten about and no one is playing anymore. On the Battle Report side of things, we are looking forward to getting going with those again. Scott is the mastermind behind the battle reports, and Scott has been a busy guy lately. He's got a lot going on, and so we haven't been able to do one of those, but hopefully moving into July, moving into the summer, we can start getting those out at a good pace again. I don't know if it's going to be once a week. I don't know if it's going to be once every two weeks or so, but we are going to endeavor to start those up. They are so much fun to produce, to hang out and even watch or just provide commentary on. I love doing it. So hopefully we'll have those for you again pretty soon. Next week, I am going on vacation. Myself, my wife, and some friends are going on a little cabin trip over the weekend. And it should be lots and lots of fun. Something that we've been looking forward to since our last cabin trip all the way back last year. What this means, however, is that next week's episode is up in the air. If we can do something little, we will. I'm not going to have the same time to edit it and prepare for it as I normally would, so there may not be an episode next week, and if there is, it'll be something fun and short and silly. I'm going to try my best to have something for you guys, but if there isn't an episode 
that's why. Don't worry. We're coming back. It's only going to be a one-week break, if at all. Finally, I would like to thank our patrons and our new patrons. We picked up a few patrons in the last month, and that is so huge. It's such a big boost whenever someone signs up to the Patreon. Makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, and gives them access to our bonus content. We get our bonus episodes up on the Patreon. We do one a month, and I am working to prepare July's Patreon episode right now. I can't say anything about it just yet because it may yet not happen and I might have to think of something else. But this one, let's just say, involves a very classic Warhammer video game that I think everyone is going to really enjoy. If you want to check out our Patreon episodes, you can. Our Patreon is non-tiered, so you can donate whatever you like and get full access to all of that bonus content. If you can't get enough Orchard, if you want to hear more Warhammer, that is the place to do it. Now let's jump in with all four feet to the bull centaurs of the Chaos Dwarfs. Or should I say boar centaurs? That's right. In 3rd edition, we don't have the bull centaurs that we would come to know and love over the years. No, we have the proto-dwarf centaurs, and they are a little bit different. They have that third-ed weirdness to them, but they are recognizable as far as dwarfs and boars go. If you were to smash the two together, you would get something like this. Now, before we get into the unit entries themselves... The thing you should know about the Chaos Dwarfs of 3rd Edition is that they bear almost no resemblance to the Chaos Dwarfs of 4th and subsequent editions. Now, their backstories are completely changed from that of the later era Chaos Dwarfs. There is no Tsar Nagrand, no Chaos Dwarf Empire, these guys are the unfortunate victims of hubris and the terrifying whims of the Chaos Gods. In the 3rd edition lore, when Chaos came into the world, it happened much like we know in the modern eras. However, the dwarfs were not immediately affected, as were the men and the elves and many of the other races, and they believed themselves immune to the warping effects of chaos. However, several dwarven armies campaigning in the north of the world were hit by what is basically a warp storm, a roiling storm of magic that blew out of the chaos waste. And for all of their resistance, they were changed body and soul. And unlike the dwarfs of the later eras, who are Still very recognizable as dwarfs, they've got their beards, you know, they may have minor mutations, like little tusks and things, but they are still very much dwarfs. The Chaos Dwarfs of this era are weird and wonderful. They're as weird and wonderful as humans who fall to chaos and get the gifts of the gods, right? They have the same telltale mutations that anything else with a chaos taint does. There's an extra layer of tragedy with the dwarfs, however, 
When a human falls to chaos, he is lost mind, body, and soul. However, dwarfs are so stubborn. They are so intractable that even though their bodies and their minds might be warped by chaos, there's a part of their spirit and a subconscious desire in their brain to break free, to resist. And even though that isn't strong enough to determine their actions, these chaos dwarfs are still twisted and evil. But at the time of their death, a chaos dwarf of the era will revert to its pre-mutated form. That part of its spirit is freed on death and gives them a measure of redemption in death. This is actually one of the more tragic aspects of chaos in Warhammer. Usually, when something falls, it falls all the way and it revels in whatever aspect of chaos that it has embraced, whether that be battle or filth or scheming or debauchery, right? The chaos gods completely consume something like a human, but they can't quite do that with a dwarf. And that is really interesting. It unfortunately is going to go away after this Old Hammer era, but I wanted to mention it because, oh boy, it's just so tragic. And these Chaos Dwarfs are really an unfortunate accident. They didn't fall to Chaos on their own. They didn't join up with the Dark Gods to save themselves. They were the victims here. And when these armies emerged back, other Dwarfs can't even talk about them. It's such a stain on dwarf kind and it it fills them with such sorrow to see their kinsmen so brutally mutated and mutilated and twisted and it's a really compelling narrative and i really wish that had stayed around it doesn't unfortunately now our early days boar centaurs are a form of chaos dwarf but they're a little bit different And their lore is going to change between 3rd and 4th. And then 4th and 8th is a bit of a further explanation. It is a further dive into the existing lore. However, this 3rd edition lore is very unique. Let's look at their unit entry here. You will find boar centaurs in the bestiary of 3rd edition. Which means that they're not really part of the Chaos Army, nor the Chaos Allied Contingent. You won't find Chaos Dwarfs in the main Chaos Army in this era. You will find them in the Allied Chaos Contingent, which is a little bit different. There is more restrictions on what you can take as an ally. You can only have a certain percentage of your army be an Allied Contingent. And because of that, the Chaos Dwarfs are naturally quite limited in this era, both in terms of how many units they have and what you can take in your army unless you're playing an absolutely massive game. Now for the Boar Centaur. The warping influence of chaos has thrown forth many malformities and horrific mutations. Some of these unnatural blends of unlikely creatures defy the comprehension and descriptive abilities of a merely sane author. Such foul creatures flourish like a canker in the chaos waste, even entering the old world, where they take up with other servants of the chaos gods. The boar centaur is a creature of this kind, 
spawned upon some unfathomable chaos whim, and nurtured by helpmates themselves enslaved to the ever-changing will of chaos. A few boar centaurs became the object of experimentation by chaos dwarf artisans, and were subsequently enslaved upon the machines of the chaos dwarfs, providing the motive power for their fiendish war engines. We're told a little bit about their physique. Boar centaurs combine the body of a boar with the torso and upper body of a chaos dwarf. Their coarse fur varies in color from individual to individual, often aping the natural shades of horses, but equally often manifesting as some bizarre and unpleasing shade. These guys are really interesting. The illustration that we get of them is kind of exactly what you'd think, a dwarf warrior with a horned helmet with the lower half of a big boar. Now their profile is really a mashup of a standard war boar and a dwarf, which is fun. They are movement 7, weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 3, strength 3, toughness 4, 2 wounds, initiative 2, 2 attacks, leadership 9, intelligence 7, cool 9, and willpower 9. And they are 34 points per model. They have a number of special rules that are quite unique to this era. Firstly, like dwarfs, boar centaurs suffer no movement penalties for armor nor do they suffer movement penalties when operating war machines. That's really nice for a unit that is actually fast, or moderately fast in this case. They are going to be faster in the upcoming editions. Boar centaurs have one stomp attack, plus one other attack, which may be either a weapon attack or another stomp, depending on whether the creature is armed or not. So this is interesting. They have two attacks, one of which is a stomp attack. The stomp attack doesn't have any special rules other than the fact that it is an attack made at the base strength of the creature. So if they have something that would otherwise alter their attack's characteristic, like a flail or a great weapon, only one of those attacks is going to come from that weapon. The other attack will be from their stompy hooves. It's interesting when you go back and look at some of the earlier eras and you realize where Games Workshop got their ideas for rules in later editions. Stomp is, of course, a mainstay of 8th edition where monsters and big things had an extra stomp attack at the end of combat. It's incredible how much Games Workshop cribs off of themselves. When designing rules, you see this a ton in Warhammer 40,000 as well. And it's really interesting. I guess when you have such a long history of making games, you can really go back and say, hey, you know what? That was a great idea we had 20 years ago. What if we just tweaked it a bit and put it in this new edition? I quite like that. The next rule is, because it is a creature of chaos, riddled with the very stuff of chaos itself, a boar centaur's attacks are considered to be magical in the same way as attacks from demons and elementals. A boar centaur's attacks are fully effective against all creatures normally immune to non-magical attacks. Have you ever wanted your dwarf with boar legs to kick a ghost in the face? Because you could do that. He will do that for you. And I love the fact that I get to say that as a sentence. Next up, boar centaurs may have d. 
personal chaotic attributes generated before the game. Chaotic attributes are a wonderful random table of fun and profit that you could roll on for various units, and occasionally it would give you something really good, a lot of the time it would give you something that you may or may not use at all, and occasionally it would be absolutely awful. So if you're a Chaos player, just like anything that you've ever gotten from Games Workshop that has had you roll on a random table. Lastly, Boar Centaurs are a newly developed creature, the future of which lies at the whim of the great Chaos Gods and their work slaves, the Chaos Dwarfs. To date, none have been permitted to rise to the status of character, and their role has been limited to that of power unit for the Chaos Dwarf War Machines. What this means is there aren't any Boar Centaur heroes or champions or characters, you just have this one single creature with a one single profile. You're not taking them in units like you would in later editions. Here they are in the bestiary, so you could have some as almost wild creatures for your games. Otherwise, when you're using them in your Chaos Dwarf forces, or in your Chaos forces, since there was no dedicated Chaos Dwarf forces at the time, they would be powering your war machines. And all of these war machines were hilarious. They were very orky. And by that I mean you have a Chaos Dwarf Boar Centaur in the back pushing what is basically a wheelbarrow of death. What's on the wheelbarrow changes between each war machine. There is the Whirlwind that has rotating flails at the front, as well as scythes. And the Tenderizer, which is my favorite, which is just giant hammers and big maces that move up and down under the power of the motion of the cart, and the poor centaur just runs them at people. It's hilarious. You can actually find these... I wouldn't say they're common, but I've seen them quite a few times on secondary market like eBay, and they're really great. I would love to have one at some point, though they, like anything Chaos Dwarf-related, are probably about as expensive as buying them in a precious metal would be at this point. So only look for them if you are really into Chaos Dwarfs. As an aside, the ally contingent for Chaos is an absolutely wild place and featured such incredible things as Chaos Centaurs, which were the man-horse hybrid centaurs that we are used to, Chaos Goblins, which are, I mean, they're goblins. Uh, the The illustration is a very disturbing looking goblin with uh, tentacles and like spider legs coming out of his back. He looks pretty gribbly. There are Chaos Dwarf Berserkers who are described as gnashing razor sharp teeth and chewing at their own exposed flesh in their lust for battle. These blood vomiting maniacs are the most dangerous of all Chaos Dwarfs. And the picture of it is wild. The body looks like a dwarf. The head looks like a troll kind of thing. It's a, it's a whole thing. There is the Chaos Dwarf Bazooka, which is a wonderful little war machine. This would be a precursor to the Death Shrieker rocket. It's a one inch radius blast for anything that it shoots with strength of five, save modifiers of minus three, and D3 wounds per hit. They were 
pretty beastly. The illustration is hilarious. It's exactly what you think. It's a pair of Chaos Dwarfs firing a bazooka. You could take Chaos Dwarfs themselves, the Chaos Dwarf War Machines, which are the four centaur power ones that we discussed, and finally the Mortars, which would grow in time to become the Dreadquake Mortars. And these things were quite beastly as well, also doing a one-inch blast template with strength 6 at minus 2 save and d4 wounds per hit. And that was everything that made up Chaos Dwarfs in 3rd edition. This 3rd edition era is very rough for Chaos Dwarfs, and I don't mean rough in terms of rules that they were bad, but I mean the concept of Chaos Dwarfs was not fully formed. We don't have any of the giant hats that we would get in 4th edition. They haven't really hit that iconic hero hammer stride just yet. But what we do have is something kind of special, something really different, and some good ideas that I wish had worked their way into the later eras. I would love to have seen a bull centaur powered war machine. I would have loved to have seen Chaos Dwarf Berserkers in the classic style. And it seems to me like a real shame that their tragic backstories didn't really follow them to 4th edition. But speaking of 4th edition, let's head into the greatest era of Chaos Dwarfs. 4th edition brings about the most iconic era of the Chaos Dwarfs, one that has stayed with Warhammer players ever since the early 90s. These guys were something else. With their black curly beards, their enormous hats, and their red era armor, the Chaos Dwarfs have perhaps the most striking aesthetic in all of Warhammer fantasy, something that is completely unmistakable. It's like nothing else before or after. It really is perhaps the greatest encapsulation of the early 90s and Hero Hammer look and aesthetic. It's big, it's goofy, it's silly, and it has captured hearts and minds for decades now. This era of Chaos Dwarfs brings us to our more familiar and contemporary lore that more of us are used to. Before we get to the bull centaurs, we should talk a little bit about the lore for this version of the Chaos Dwarfs, as it is very, very different from the third ed version. And the bull centaurs play a small but very pivotal role in Chaos Dwarf society. Now, the beginnings of these Chaos Dwarfs are somewhat similar to our third edition counterparts. However, instead of armies marching northward, these are parts of the Dwarven civilization, whole families and clans that had moved northward towards the top of the World's Edge Mountains. Some of the dwarves went into the west to Norska, and some of them went into the east, into what would become the Darklands. On the top of the Darklands in the north, there is a plateau known as Zorn Uzkul, the Great Skullland, and this is where these migratory dwarfs first settled in the Darklands. With the coming of chaos, 
these dwarfs were buffeted by the same wild magics and energies that would pour over much of the northern part of the world and, to a lesser extent, the entirety of the world itself. Now, unlike the third edition lore, where they were caught up in a great storm of magic, the change worked upon this version of the Chaos Dwarfs is far more insidious and over a much more prolonged time frame. One of the great disasters that befell these dwarves during the coming of Chaos was that they were cut off with their kin to the south, and the dwarf kingdoms to the south thought that these dwarves were lost, that they had been overwhelmed by the tide of Chaos and destroyed. This wasn't the case, as dwarfs are, as we've mentioned, exceedingly stubborn and hard to shift once they have found a place to live. Now, these dwarves were cut off, and they thought they had been abandoned by their kin. Not only by their kin, but by their ancestor gods, Grimnir and the rest of his pantheon. And in their hearts came this bitterness towards the old dwarven gods and towards their kin. And though chaos couldn't affect them to the same degree as it would affect the other sentient races of the Warhammer world, what it did was it twisted their natural values. In some of our older episodes, talking about elves, for example, what chaos did to the elves was it amplified and twisted their natures ever so slightly. For example, the elves in Ulthuan were originally gifted with empathy, understanding, a desire to protect and and teach and nurture. After the coming of chaos, this was twisted into more of a pride and arrogance. They still protected the world, but they protected it out of the sense that no one else could do it, that they alone were responsible for saving the world, for holding back the tides of chaos, and they would exert their will on the world because they were always in the right. They knew best. And for the Chaos Dwarfs, it was something similar. So dwarves have some very specific features, at least in Warhammer. That is that they like to delve, they like to find valuables, they're natural builders. They will raise up great civilizations and and create great works. But for the Chaos Dwarves, this got twisted into this incessant need to build grander and grander weapons and to excavate on a massive scale. They ended up creating a massive city named Tsar Nagrund in the Darklands, and around it for hundreds of miles stretch what is basically this stripped-mined hellscape that these Chaos Dwarfs have been plundering since the inception of their civilization. And because they were never a numerous people, and they still aren't, where a normal dwarf would rely on his kin, his family, his clan, to help him and try and grow his clan, the Chaos Dwarfs saw a more expedient route, which was mass slavery. The majority of these slaves being orcs and goblins of some type, which is a complete opposite of how a normal dwarf would act. They would have nothing to do with green skins. 
by this point in their history, the Chaos Dwarfs have basically formed a symbiotic partnership with Hobgoblins. And it illustrates just how twisted their instincts have become, their thoughts have become. They mine and they delve for the sake of doing it, and it is never, ever enough for them. Now, as I was mentioning, the Chaos Dwarfs felt that they had been betrayed by their ancestor gods and abandoned, and they turned to the worship of Hashat. Hashat doesn't get a lot of description in the 4th edition Chaos Dwarf book. He does, however, get a little bit more in the Tamurkin supplement. We learn a little bit more about him. So I'm going to read to you his description from that, because his nature doesn't change between 4th and 8th edition. He just gets better explained. The god of the Chaos Dwarfs is Hashat, the father of darkness, a grim and malignant being often represented as a great blazing bull, wreathed in smoke and shadow. Hashat is a chaos god, although some scholars of the arcane would label him as an archdemon rather than a dark god, while others insist it is some other form of foul entity let loose upon the world during the time of chaos. Hashat is closely associated with tyranny, greed, fire, and hatred, and it is a being whose gift of power comes at a terrible price. As with much of their origins, just how the dwarfs of the East came to seal their pact with Hashat remains shrouded in the dark times of the great sundering of the world by chaos. And in truth, the chaos dwarfs themselves may have only a dim and warped understanding of how they became bound up with their nightmarish god. The twisted runic cartouches that adorn their fire temples do, however, speak of the abandonment of the dwarfs of Zornuskul by their ancestor gods during the Great Cataclysm. Their finding of salvation and succor with this new god and the thirst of Hashat for sacrifice and subjugation in return for his patronage. Over the centuries, in return for flesh and blood, homage and devotion, Hashat has gifted the Chaos Dwarfs with malign secrets and powerful sorcery that fused with their mastery of industry and forgecraft to create many demon-fused machineries and monstrous engines of war. Dominion over the fires of the earth and the arcane and malevolent lore that has brutalized their sanity and souls. The pact between the Chaos Dwarfs and their Dark God has only deepened over time and grown to the point where the tendrils of Hashat's malevolence and the Chaos Dwarfs' own bitter souls have become as one. So a little bit on Hashat there. He is definitely of Chaos, but we don't know where on the pantheon he falls. Is he an archdemon? Is he some other form of being? Chaos is a very weird thing, and there's a lot of odd little demigods here and there, and maybe Hashat is one of those. I like that description a lot, and it does touch on another interesting facet of the Chaos Dwarf society, that of the Chaos Dwarf sorcerers. Now, normally, dwarfs have nothing to do with magic. They have their runesmiths and their rune priests, who use magic of a sort in a very controlled way. Chaos dwarfs don't have that issue. They have sorcerers, and in fact, the Chaos Dwarf sorcerers are the leaders of the society. Only a few hundred are existent at any one time, and each one of them rules a portion of Tsar Nagrand, the great Chaos Dwarf city. 
chaos might have changed a lot about these dwarfs, but it hasn't changed the fact that they still like to organize in family groups of their own kin. These kin bands or clans will be led by the sorcerer of the family. He will act as the leader in where a normal dwarf hold might have a king, for example. And it's the Chaos Dwarf Sorcerers that bring us to our topic of the Bull Centaurs. Now, the Bull Centaurs are much different beasts than in 3rd edition, as you might imagine. Here is their description as it exists in 4th. Bull centaurs are creatures with the upper torso of a chaos dwarf, but the body of a ferocious bull. Many centuries ago, when the chaos dwarfs were first twisted by chaos, some of their race were transformed into bull centaurs. Since those days, the bull centaurs have guarded the great statue of Ashut in the temple high atop the Tower of Tsar Nagrand. They are as keen-witted and intelligent as chaos dwarfs, and completely devoted to the worship of Hashut, the father of darkness. The Chaos Dwarf sorcerers trust them completely, and often entrust them with complex or dangerous tasks. Although they are few in number, they are more powerful than Chaos Dwarfs, and much swifter in battle. Even though there are mighty individuals amongst them, there are no sorcerers in their number. These bull centaurs, far more than just enslaved war machine crew, are a sacred part of the Chaos Dwarf society. They bear the unmistakable markings of their god, Hashut, and are completely and utterly devoted to him. They are held in very high esteem amongst the Chaos Dwarfs. I do like the fact that the Chaos Dwarfs society isn't one of constant politicking and backstabbing, like the Dark Elves or the Skaven, or any of the more evilly aligned races tend to be. This makes sense where there are so few chaos dwarfs. They are loyal to each other and to their god, and their dark civilization is very disciplined and ordered, and that's a really nice change from the other evil factions in the game, and I wanted to point that out. Now let's look at the bull centaur's profiles. We have several here. There is the bull centaur, the champion, the hero, and the lord. A regular bull centaur is movement 8, weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 3, strength 4, toughness 4, 2 wounds, initiative 3, 2 attacks, and leadership 9. We can see here an upgrade from their 3rd edition stats, gaining a point of strength, gaining a point of movement, since they're no longer boars, but bulls, and I guess bulls are a little bit faster. They gain a point of initiative as well. Just all in all, better fighters than their 3rd edition counterparts. The champion gains a point of weapon skill to 5, a point of strength to 5, a point of initiative to 4, and an extra attack at 3. So a decent upgrade for him. The hero is a whole other beast. He keeps the same movement, but his weapon skill 6, ballistic skill 5, strength 5, toughness 5, 3 wounds, initiative 5, and 4 attacks with leadership 10. And finally, when we get to the Lord, things start to get a little scary with Weapon Skill 7, Ballistic Skill 6, Strength 5, Tough 5, 4 Wounds, Initiative 6, 5 Attacks, and Leadership 10. We get the Ogre or Minotaur treatment with the Bull Centaurs, where in Hero Hammer, they get a lot of profiles. However, as we'll see soon, 
unfortunately cannot lead your army. If you wish to include them in your force, they will cost you 41 points per model, and they don't have a lot of options here. They wear light armor and carry shields. They are armed with brutal double-handed axes with heavy cleaving blades. They have a 5-up save, and one unit of bull centaurs may carry a magic standard. And that is their only option. As far as units go, this one I'm on the fence about. They have a great movement of 8. They're not slowed down by their armor. However, only a 5-up save. They do have the 2 wounds and toughness 4. I don't know how far that's going to get them at 41 points per model. For a minimum unit, you are looking at 205 points. It is quite a bit, though in any kind of dwarf army, movement is a real premium, so maybe you want to include them anyway. Chaos Dwarfs do have a little bit more movement tricks than their regular brethren, with their options such as Hobgoblins that have a base movement of 4. Now in the Hero section, if you'd like to buy a Bull Centaur Champion, he will cost you 106 points and he will be armed the same way as the rest of his unit, but he may carry a single magic item. The Bull Centaur Hero will set you back 232 points, and he has a hero's worth of options, meaning he can take a couple of magic items and has much more freedom in terms of the equipment that he has. And finally, the Bull Centaur Lord is a 0-1 to choice, but since he is a lord... He can carry up to three magic items, which is pretty great. However, he may not lead your army. You will still need a Chaos Dwarf General, which is either a Lord or a Sorcerer Lord. So please do keep that in mind. I wish that wasn't the case. I would have loved to see Bull Centaur Lords leading Chaos Dwarf forces. I don't think there's any problem with that. I don't even really think there's an issue with that from a lore sense, considering the small blurb that we get in the 4th edition book tells us that bull centaurs are often entrusted with very important missions. I don't see any reason why they couldn't have been given command of a force. But 4th edition, notorious for being a real stickler as to who could be your general. So we should just be happy that in 4th edition, these Chaos Dwarves have two lord choices. Not always the case for the other factions. 4th edition, to me, will forever be the Chaos Dwarf list. The look, the feel, the presentation is so special. It really is. Everything from the Hobgoblin Sneaky Gets, to the Earthshaker Cannon, to the Bull Centaurs. What breaks my heart a little bit is that even this 4th edition book, which is the only real book that the Chaos Dwarfs ever got, was a compilation of white dwarf articles so even when even the one time they got a standalone book it wasn't really on par with the books of its era and it's a real shame because there's so much potential for the chaos dwarfs here for whatever reason they were just not given the same love that the other factions got before we move on to eighth edition we're going to make one quick stop, and that is in Ravening Hordes, the Get You By 6th edition manual that came out in 2000 at the start of 6th edition. 
This was the last time for a long time that we would see the Chaos Dwarfs in action. It was the last hurrah of that 4th edition list, and it brought some really interesting options for them. And one of the things that it allowed us to do was lead our armies with bull centaurs, which is pretty cool. Only time this happened. This little supplement gave us the bull centaur lord, the bull centaur hero, and bull centaurs as a rare unit. And you know what? This might be one of the best places to take bull centaurs. We're going to start off with the Lord and work our way down. He's a 0 to 1 choice again, but there is nothing saying that you cannot have him lead your force in this edition, which is quite nice. He is 170 points per model, and his stats are Movement 8, Weapon Skill 6, Ballistic Skill 3, Strength 5, Toughness 5, 3 Wounds, Initiative 5, 5 Attacks and Leadership 9, a big downgrade. But he is so much cheaper, and keep in mind this is now 6th edition, so we expect that real step down. Then in our hero choices, we've got the Bull Centaur Hero. He is 100 points, and he is Movement 8, Weapon Skill 5, Ballistic Skill 3, Strength 4, Toughness 5, 2 Wounds, Initiative 4, 4 Attacks, Leadership 9. Again, quite a step down. I do like the number of attacks that the Bull Centaurs kept. I think it makes them pretty scary in this early part of 6th edition. Finally, we've got the Bull Centaurs themselves. They are down to 20 points per model, so cut in a little bit more than half from their 4th edition counterparts. They are Movement 8, Weapon Skill 4, Ballistic Skill 3, Strength 4, Toughness 4, 1 Wound, Initiative 3, 2 Attacks, and Leadership 9. The biggest loss here is the loss of the second wound. They are unit size of 5+. They are armed with a hand weapon, great axe, light armor, and shield. They may swap the great axe for an additional hand weapon for free, and they may upgrade light armor to heavy armor at 1 point per model. And they have a unit strength of 2 per model in the same way that cavalry does. I have to say, I think... I like these bull centaurs more than I like the bull centaurs of 4th edition. Firstly, the ability to give them heavy armor means you can get a 4 plus save on them, which is much nicer than having to rely on a 5 plus. At 20 points per model, you can buy twice as many of them for the same points cost, which I think more than makes up for the loss of the wound. At movement 8, they're still speedy quick. And with the option to swap out the great axe, you could potentially have three attacks each. Now, it's not listed in their profile, but they could take a command as well, and it's a pretty standard command option. The champion, of course, gaining an extra attack there, so you could have a four-attack bull centaur champion. I think that sounds pretty good. Or keep the great axe and hit extra hard. Initiative three isn't too bad, though. It, it is at least the average, and for dwarfs, that is pretty darn good. I actually really like the bull centaurs here. I think this Chaos Dwarf list, for being a Ravening Hordes list, at least has some really interesting options and ideas here. Hobgoblins were two points per model, which is just wild for some reason, probably because they did not count towards your minimum core choices. 
I would love to know if anyone has or still does play this Chaos Dwarfs Ravening Hordes list in 6th edition, how it holds up. It has some really interesting things. You can even dip into orcs and goblins if you need to as special units. So it's a small list, but it's got a few little options there as well. Let's move on to 8th edition and our ultimate look at the bull centaurs. Tamurkin was an odd supplement. It was released by Forge World with a lot of Forge World support for the various characters in this book, as well as what should basically be called a brand new army at this point in terms of the Chaos Dwarfs. They had been missing for a long time. They got a brand new range with, unfortunately, what I consider to be a very blasé aesthetic. It's not bad. And it's certainly a better cross between Chaos Warriors and Chaos Dwarfs than the Chaos Dwarf book was, and I believe that's what they were going for. However, when you have the incredible character that was the 4th edition book, and you replace it with something a little bit more toned down, a little bit more mundane, it just doesn't hit the same way. And I'm sure a lot of people liked it where it was a much more serious range. I didn't. But that's okay, because I think both ranges of Chaos Dwarfs serve a very different audience. Now, in this edition, we get a little bit more on the Bull Centaurs. The fourth edition book was very sparse, because it was just a collection of White Dwarf articles. This has been specifically written, so we have a bit of a bigger blurb, shedding more light on our four-legged dwarf friends. Warped and malign creatures, Chaos Dwarf Bull Centaurs are, as the name suggests, twisted amalgams of Chaos Dwarf and Ferocious Bull in aspect. The unnatural fusion creating hulking, monstrous beasts far larger than either, and filled with cannibalistic appetites. Many centuries ago, during the time of Chaos, a fraction of those that survived the onslaught became horrifically mutated. Their stubborn dwarf resistance to the warping taint was overwhelmed utterly by the awful energies to which they were subjected, and the first bull centaurs were born. They came to serve the wider kin as shock troops and temple guardians, and to them was entrusted the protection of the sacred fanes of Ashut, as they, more than any other, had been twisted into the closest semblance of the Father of Darkness's image. Into each successive generation of Chaos Dwarfs a handful of new blessed kin has been born usually to the death of their unfortunate dams. And such children are given over immediately to the sorcerers to serve in turn. This number, however, has not proven enough, and Hashut's inventive priesthood have wielded their dark arts to make more, tampering with their offspring using horrific magics, and even fusing them into frameworks of metal and demon-tainted flesh to swell the ranks of their temple guardians. As well as serving as temple guardians, the bull centaurs are often entrusted with dangerous tasks by their masters, who trust them implicitly. They are hulking savage creatures whose strength and endurance far exceeds that of a chaos dwarf, and thanks to their strange forms they are far swifter in battle. As they age, their flesh hardens and distorts almost to the consistency of living metal, and rather than heal naturally from their injuries, they must instead rely upon their sorcerer masters to repair their wounds with poultices of molten mercury, steel sutures, and brazen splints. Although as keen-witted and intelligent as their Chaos Dwarf brethren, 
and utterly devoted to the worship of Hashut, their father of darkness. They are even swifter to anger, and are often otherwise preoccupied with a great hunger for flesh. A good number of the slave sacrifices bound for Hashut's temples will actually be rent apart limb from limb at the bull centaur's holy feasts, as while slave meat is a common fare for the chaos dwarfs, the bull centaurs prefer their meals both alive and screaming. Well, this has all of the hallmarks of a post-6th edition unit. We have the turn for the grim dark with the cannibalistic urges. We have a lot of extra detail here, most of it quite grisly and gory. And the bull centaurs themselves got larger, both in terms of the lore and just physically the models are quite a bit bigger. Where the old chaos dwarf bull centaurs would fit comfortably on a cavalry base, these guys are on a monstrous cavalry base and count as monstrous beasts. They have changed a lot in terms of profile. Their movement went down to seven, which is an interesting callback to our first boar centaurs. I don't hate this change, especially since the unit got beefier and bulls probably shouldn't be as fast as horses anyway, so that's not a big deal in my book. They are weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 2, strength 4, toughness 5, 3 wounds, initiative 3, 2 attacks, and leadership 8. And this is for your basic centaur render. I like the change to toughness 5. Bulls are notoriously tough animals. Dwarfs, notoriously tough species. I think... Toughness 5 suits them quite well, 3 wounds, great. And in the much more dangerous world of 8th edition, this will keep them going a little bit longer. They have the Fear and Scaly Skin rule for a 5 plus save. They also have the special rule Contempt. And Contempt was a rule for all Chaos Dwarfs. Chaos Dwarfs despise all other forms of life and see them as nothing more than contemptible fodder to be exploited and disposed of as needed. They expect their lessers to show cowardice and weakness in battle, and be restrained only through fear. As a result, Chaos Dwarf and Bull Centaur units are not subject to panic tests, caused by friendly units which are destroyed or fail a break test within 6 inches of them, unless the unit that is destroyed or broken is itself a Chaos Dwarf or Bull Centaur unit. Characters with the Contempt rule may not join units other than those who are also subject to this rule. So a nice little Ignore Panic special ability. Now we also have two more levels of Bull Centaurs. The Bull Centaur Bahal and the Bull Centaur Tarok. This is equivalent to the old Hero and Lord. The Bull Centaur Bale is the equivalent to a Champion. And so he has an additional attack, but is otherwise the same as the regular bull centaurs. The Tarok, on the other hand, is a proper hero. And he gains a point of strength to 5, a wound to 4, an initiative to 4, and an attack to 4, and is now leadership 9. So a fairly large upgrade there. The bull centaur Tarok is a hero choice that will set you back 155 points. He's got the same scaly skin as his kin, and may have up to 50 points worth of magical items. He can be equipped with Black Shard Armor, which was the Chaos Dwarf special heavy armor, a shield, an additional hand weapon or a great weapon, 
so quite a bit of choice with him. The Bull Centaur Renders are a special choice, and they are back up to 40 points per model, so still not quite as expensive as their 4th edition kin, but coming as close as you can come. They are taken in unit sizes of 3 plus now, where they are monstrous beasts, and they can take shields, additional hand weapons, great weapons, or spears. You can take a command, including the champion Behal, and one unit of bull centaurs could have a magic standard worth up to 50 points. This Chaos Dwarf list is arguably the biggest and best list that they ever got, with more choices than their 4th edition counterparts, more magic items, and their own spell lore. It has some real highlights, including the Iron Demon, which was the most hateful Thomas the Tank engine you could ever meet, but kept a few things from 4th edition, like the Taurus. The fact that you still had Hobgoblins as a big part of your list choices. There was a lot here that was a callback, but for me, it just never had the heart of that early era. That should take nothing away from this list, however. I think a worthy addition, especially to 8th edition of Warhammer Fantasy. It was nice to see this come out. This came out in 2011. I don't know how many people picked up Tamarkin. I never played against Chaos Dwarfs during the era. But as far as ranges go, it was nice to see them get support. Fantasy didn't tend to get a lot of support from Forge World, especially not compared to 40k, and especially not once the Horus Heresy started going. So it was nice that these kind of snuck in here. It would have been so interesting to see what Forge World would have done with Hobgoblins, because we never got them. We got a lot of the Chaos Dwarf units, and the Bull Centaurs were big, beautiful models, especially the hero character was a really good one. I just wish that the whole line had gotten complete. They got a good way through it, certainly. Uh, really only the Hobgoblin stuff, I believe, was left by the end, and... I wouldn't hold my breath for <laughs> any of that, but that's going to do it for our look through the bull centaurs of the ages. This is a unit I've been thinking about for a while. It has such a pedigree all the way back in Old Hammer, even though it changed a bunch. It's been used in a bunch of different ways, and it's so iconic of this faction, this unlucky faction that never really got a fair shake it had great models great lists in fourth and eighth and it just never really caught on unfortunately or games workshop didn't believe that it would sell well enough to get its own proper plastic range in the later era or even to really flesh out the range in the hero hammer era but sometimes you just have to take what you can get and i'm so glad that we got it one day, I look forward to playing some games against Chaos Dwarfs. I think they're a wonderful addition to the Warhammer world, and especially the Bull Centaurs, who, as an idea, are just so wonderfully silly that they speak to me on so many levels. I think if I was going to get any Chaos Dwarf models, if you sat me down and made me spend hundreds of dollars on eBay, those would be the ones that I would get. What do you think of the Chaos Dwarfs in Warhammer Fantasy? Which edition hit for you? Do you prefer the old Hammer Tragic Chaos Dwarfs, the 4th edition 
wild and wacky chaos dwarfs or the more sinister, somber, chaos warrior-inspired chaos dwarfs of the later era? I don't think there's a wrong answer there, but let me know. That's going to do it for this one. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to The War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs>